Welcome to the Bold and Brave podcast. I'm your host, Hope, actress and energy therapist. And I'm here to remind you that your failure is your success, that finding your power is the most attractive quality a person can have, and that loving yourself first is the sexiest kind of love. Each week, I'll be speaking with leaders from around the globe to uncover the potential that really does lie within us. Is, have, have you ever tried um, avocado on toast with Vegemite? Uh, no. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> well, it's it's really good. So, see, I'm a, obviously because I'm Australian, I'm a, I'm a big Vegemite lover. I'm Australian too, you know. No, you're not. Of course, yeah. Are you actually? Yeah. Oh, I can hear it. Huh? Yeah, I grew up in the Northern Beaches in Sydney. Oh, I can hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear it now, but I couldn't hear it before. I didn't know that. Yeah, my accent's a lot more subtle. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I can I can actually hear it now. Now that you've yeah, yeah. you've mentioned we it, we haven't really actually talked much before. No. <laughs> I know. We normally just sort of say hi and bye, don't we? I was well. I kind of knew more about you through Gaia. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, just to give you know whoever's listening a little bit more insight. Ben, um, I met Ben through working at the Scandinav Spa. Um, where Ben does massage therapy with um, amongst, you know, quite a lot of other therapists as well. We have quite a big, <laughs> quite a big uh, group of, of employees there. Um, but Gaia recommended um, me to, when I was going through a really hard time, actually, Gaia was like, oh, you know, Ben. And obviously I know all the names of the therapists, but I, I needed to put your face to the, you know, the name. Um, so once I, once I, guy pointed you out to me and was like, oh, Ben has, you know, this, um, you know, these, these other things that he does on the side, he's not just a therapist, like, and then she introduced me to the Peacekeeper Project and met it, um, you know, mentioned that you do meditation work. And once I jumped onto your website and had a look at, you know, through the Peacekeeper Project, I, um, I had a look at everything that you did and I was like, oh my gosh, Ben's not just a therapist. He does so many things. But there's um, there's quite a journey as to why you got into um, this in the first place, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, like Ben, tell me about like tell me about you. Where obviously now that I know you're Australian, um, where you grew up? You grew up on the northern beaches. Whereabouts in the northern beaches did you grow up? <clears throat> so I grew up in Forestville. Okay. Uh, that's where I went to primary school and um, high school, and then. Uh, Beacon Hill, which oh, is yeah. DIY. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived in Beacon Hill for a bit when I lived over there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was in um, I was in Manly for a bit, and then I moved to do you know Balaga? Bal- how do I say it? Bal- Balagala Heights. Balgala Heights, yeah. Balgala Heights, yeah, behind Seaforth, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I moved there, but I um, I was living at when I first moved to Sydney I was living up there just behind the car dealerships I can't remember where what the suburb was though but it was off the main road there where they have all the car dealerships uh, it's just bringing back the flood of memories just <laughs> talking about it because it's been what, like 18 years since I've since I lived in Sydney really so it's interesting just trying to think about all of the like the streets the areas it's like wow yeah it's like yeah. a movie going through your head hey mm-hmm. yeah Okay, so you grew up. You grew up there, and then, um, 
the venture, yeah. Um, yeah. Where did you go from there? Yeah, so I finished high school and, like, I didn't want to go to university. Like, high school was enough, like, being, you know, with so many people around. And, like, I, I was very shy, very introverted. And um, so I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And mum said, well, why don't you do a hospitality course? So I went and did that. It was like a six-month thing and after you did like bartending and then kitchen attending or something. Mm. And I stopped at that and I was like, I just want to work. And then I got a job working at DYRSL. Mm-hmm. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, so I was like serving drinks and working on poker machines and that was when I was like 18. So, um, so it was good. And I think that played a huge part in me being left dry, being able to, you know, connect with a lot of people and especially when you're serving drinks, you kind of, you can't be too shy, especially mm. at night when it's getting busier. Yeah. So that was definitely an experience. But then after, you know, five years or something there, I was like, well, I want to do something more. And so I went into massage. Mm-hmm. I did a short, like a intro course in Shiatsu. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I really loved it. And then, so I went and studied that, did a diploma and, and I think that was where something of my introvert nature could really um, engage because it was really like one-on-one. Um, I mean, really like when I say we, I mean, introverts and sensitive people tend to like, it's not that we don't like people, we just don't tend to like groups of people yeah. being in them. But we really love connecting deeply with people. Yes. And I always had a fascination for energy and mm. uh, magic, that kind of stuff. So Shiatsu, Meridians, Energy. That's kind of where it started. And then about the same time I started studying, mm-hmm. <clears throat> my brother was getting into meditation. And uh, so we'd have these conversations and it would get kind of philosophical and deeper. And then I felt like I couldn't, I was trying to, I was trying to, I don't know, argue or make my point from a perspective of someone that wasn't meditating. So it was really hard to compete. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, with that. So, so he convinced me to go and, and meditate so I went and did a like a weekend intensive course and that was in 2002 mm-hmm. and it's been part of my life ever since I've never looked back um that's really how I got into to meditation and <clears throat> now I've done a lot of like meditations I did a Vipassana not long after that okay days of silence and uh, that was quite a profound experience uh, but then I've tried other um, styles of meditation, studied yoga, and um, that's really where my my path kind of went towards meditation, quieting the mind, and and my curiosity and my you know my mind mm. exploring consciousness was just it was engaged in that way. I just I love seeing things like beyond surface level, and I think mm-hmm. that's something I always sensed. Like even as a kid, when people were talking. You can, like, I could feel the underlying tones of people, or if they'd say something that was hurtful or a kind of like a slight remark, it was like I could feel the the subtleties of that. Like it kind of hurt. I could yeah. feel it cutting through people, and so, like, being sensitive, it's like those kind of things you, you feel, and it's kind of painful, but mm. um, you don't really know how to deal with it. But meditation was one of those things that, you know, it just. Like for me, stillness is the biggest thing that came through that. And the less I identified with the reaction of sensitivity, 
there's this stillness in the background that um, I guess I could say like the symptoms of sensitivity and being an introvert. Yeah. Less and less. Yeah. So like being in a in a crowd of people or an event where there's a lot of people where normally I would just naturally I would have no inclination to be there. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would feel drained afterwards, but you know, after a while of doing meditation and, and working on myself was like I could be in those events. It wouldn't necessarily still be my first choice, but I could be there and and I didn't identify with the noise. Like I could mm. I could remain still, like there was stillness inside of me to to rest on. Yeah, because you then you had the skills, like you had the tools mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now. Exactly. That's really in, that's and, really fascinating. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, continue. And it's yeah, no. And it's it's a skill and it's and it but at a certain point it becomes more than a skill, it becomes something that, that permeates you. Mm. Like it's not yeah, in the beginning you've got to remember to do it. Because <clears throat> I had a teacher that used to say, you know, it's it's often not not that we can't do something, it's usually that we don't remember to even try. So when we're in a crowd or we're in a in a situation that you know where we get nervous or stressed, mm. often it's that we don't even remember to try and you know remember stillness or to breathe or. Um, obviously, it's helpful if you've done that training before. Yes, you get into those situations because you get into those situations and then try to quiet your mind and be still. That's that's much harder. But there is this element of you have skills and tools, but remembering to use them. Um, yes, exactly. Like, yeah, I guess it's a like a, a story from when I was in high school, mm-hmm. even primary, school, mostly high school. This is before I was into meditation or anything like that. Mm. But um, because I was so shy, I really didn't like being in a room of people. And I'd also get really, really bad hay fever um, oh. in the spring. Right. And, <clears throat> and so during exam times, it was usually spring. Well, there would be, <laughs> I'd get allergies. Mm-hmm. And so during an exam, you're in a room that's super quiet. Mm-hmm a lot of people and there I am like mm. sniffling, sneezing and being there. <laughs> yeah, being so shy, I was like, I didn't want any of that attention. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to make a noise. Like if I could have been invisible, it would have been an amazing superpower. And as much as I tried to do that, um, like I really didn't want to be seen or felt as anywhere. So I think that there was something that I, I found that I could do just out of sheer will is to do something like it was not, it was like a quieting my mind, but a quieting of my system. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. Could, where I could quiet the, the hay fever, like the symptoms would stop and I could, I could get through an exam without going through all of those, the sneezing and the, the allergies. What? Um, but then as soon as the exam stopped, I'd be out and they'd come back. But <laughs> no. Yeah. Was, that's cool. Sorry, that's really interesting. You you were able to still like your body, like not just your mind, but like the symptoms yeah. of hay fever while you're doing mm-hmm. your exams. What? Totally, and it's it's like that was something of the power of the mind. But at the time, I wasn't really like I'm cultivating the power of my mind. It was mm. more like just more of fear of being seen. It was like like the necessity to become quiet was there, which pushed me to do it, which is not high integrity, but it allowed me to learn to do something 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was only later on when I got into meditation is like, and I kind of reflected on different parts of my life. I was like, well, I did something there, mm. which just reflected the power of our mind to do things. And, and I've had people in like meditation classes I've been teaching that have, that have come in with maybe they're, they're cold or flu and they're sneezing. Mm. And during the meditation, there's nothing. And then at the end, <laughs> as they're walking out, maybe they start sneezing again. But it's amazing what our mind can do to affect, like, our body and our physiology. Wow, yes. So, yeah, I think I digressed a little bit there. No, that's – um. it's very – yeah, it's very interesting that um, – and I guess that comes back to the way that you talk about, like, consciousness through meditation. Mm. Um, that's really the ability that you have. It's not just, you know, sitting still and, and, and being quiet. There's so much more. I, me personally, I don't know. I haven't, I'd be very interested to, um, come to your classes and learn because I can't meditate. Not that I can't, but I, I that's not what you say to a meditation teacher. (laughs) I can't meditate. (laughs) That's why you come to me, Hope. (laughs) Um, no, I think because I, yeah, I don't have the tools to to steal my mind, but not even that. I don't think I've I've been in a, I haven't got to the space in my life until now where I've wanted to. And I think a lot of people maybe can, you know, some people that are listening may be able to relate to this. Like I haven't really had things in my life that have um, sparked anything for me to be like, hmm, maybe I could try slowing down. Maybe I could, um, I haven't, I, I think I'm more conscious now in at 32 than I ever, like I was in my twenties at all. I never, you know, really thought that you can calm yourself down. You can steal your body. You can steal your mind. You do have the power to, um, like you were saying, like we don't understand how powerful our mind is. And that's, I guess, things that you are able to teach and we are able to experience through this consciousness of meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's something I really love, like, seeing in, in people, like, when people sometimes have their first, I don't know, meditation experience, as in more like a sense of quiet. Yeah. Um, I don't, and it's, the thing is, we don't, we often don't realise the, the burden of thoughts that we're carrying until we have a contrasting experience of quiet. Right? It's like it's like noise pollution. It's like if you live somewhere noisy, like I live in North Vancouver and <clears throat> we're on Lonsdale Avenue, so there's, there's always a kind of a background noise of traffic. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop me sleeping, working or, or meditating or doing anything. Mm-hmm. But um, when I come up to Whistler on the weekends when it's – and it's just quiet, especially sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's like you realize by contrast, like the quiet. And like when you're in that quiet, like there's something in your body just kind of lets go a little more. And the mind is the same. It's like all those thoughts, the emotions, <clears throat> the stories and the dramas that just always running through our mind, they're always there. So it's kind of this background noise. Mm-hmm. But it's not until we have a moment where we become a bit more quiet mm. and you can feel the body respond, like relax or just let go a little and go, whoa. It's like 
then you realize the burden of your thoughts. You realize the impact on your body. Um, but before we have some kind of experience like that, it's, it's almost a little too abstract. It's just a nice idea. Mm. But that gives us like a tangible, well, this is, this is real. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you, you, yeah, it, it, you come back to the present moment with yourself and you understand how, how your thoughts not, not only affect your mind, um, whether you're in control yourself or whether your mind's in control, but uh, your body and your, like, mm-hmm. your physical, like everything, it's all connected, mm-hmm. mind, body, spirit. There's a reason for that. It all affects exactly. each other, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and that's the thing. We use these these terms like the body mind connection and there's studies out there and articles and you can read all these things about oh yeah, like the connection that science is proving this and this. It's like but it's still a bit distant from our own experience and, and reading about those things may inspire you to do it. But reading those things and filling your head with the knowledge of it <clears throat> isn't gonna change your life a whole lot. Mm. It's only when you actually do it and you become a little bit more quiet that you have that experience and that's what creates transformation. That's what creates the change. Mm-hmm. The knowledge is just there as like a, a roadmap to help us find our way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's Sometimes it just takes someone to rephrase something a little differently for it to click. Mm. Totally. And that's something yeah. that I really love doing is is just putting things, talking about it from a different perspective or helping people to see things from a different angle so that yeah. so that things click. And that's and that's I think that's what you're pointing to there is is the sense that we get stuck in our own perspective. Yes. And that becomes our baseline of experience. Like that's our sense of self. Mm-hmm. That familiar sense of self which is part of all the thoughts we have in our heads, the beliefs and the ideas. And that's like a container for your familiar sense of self. And that familiar sense of self is also where the stress, the anxiety, all that stuff is. But when we start to see things, when we allow ourselves to see things from a different angle, it's almost like when we step out of the familiar Mm. and and it's like we're shifting our consciousness to somewhere else that we're not used to. And we can have a big, just 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 like that yeah it's almost like sometimes we get comfortable or we just get used to the way that our mind goes and we forget that we forget how important it is to to stop and breathe and relax and listen and connect as well like you said just to sit and observe what your thoughts are and to connect deeply and be like, oh, okay, because I think sometimes it's all like it's unconscious, right? Like a lot. Uh, sometimes we can be living quite unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, a lot of the time, it's mm. just continual unconscious impulses that take us, and our thoughts are very repetitive. It's the same things, and it's like, and if if you really take time to be quiet and acquire your mind and reflect and start to understand your mind, it's like thoughts are really secondary. Like they come later in the process of thinking. Like there's 
there's emotional content, like you, you have emotional charges, you're stored with these emotions that want to express themselves. So basically you need an excuse to express that emotion. So you have a thought along those lines, fueled by that emotion. Yes. Especially if we're reacting. It's like, but really if most of the time, if you weren't thinking about this, you'd be thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. But especially when we're stressed or we're anxious, <clears throat> It's like we want it. We get caught in the the story of of the thought, and we become justified in why I think this and why I think that. Yeah, well, that person did this, and it's like, and you can fuel yourself with it even more, like emotion, mm-hmm. rage, or anger, and the the story keeps fueling it. But if you can actually take a moment to let go of the story and just feel the feeling mm-hmm. of the the emotion, it's like just in that there is a level of quieting that can happen and you're just present with your emotion, not judging it, not labeling it, just being there. And that gives you a huge amount of power because as long as you're caught in the, in the story and the ideas, it's, it is like you're caught. You have, yes, it is. You have no choice. It's like mm. you're being taken for a ride. Mm. But if you want to get off that ride, then you need to, become a bit more present, let go of the story and feel just what you feel. Again, no judging, just feel it. And that's there's a tangible sense that you usually feel in your body that brings you more present. And it's it's not a meditation, but it's, it's the same kind of principle is that you're using something to anchor your mind. Yeah. And in meditation, in meditation, you have an object of your meditation. So it could be your breath. It could be your um, moving your awareness through body parts. You could be focusing on a particular chakra or mm. using a mantra. They're all something to give your mind something to rest on. Yes, I like that. When mind wanders, you bring it back. But then like in life, you're building that muscle and then you have an emotional reaction. You can Sometimes you can try to use your meditation tools to bring yeah. it back, but sometimes the emotion is so strong that you need to just be present with that because it's such a tangible thing. Mm. Yeah. And then that can give us an opportunity to get out of the story and just into the feeling. And then we have a lot more choice of Mm. how we act and it creates more space Mm. between us and that emotion. Yes. Instead of connecting yourself immediately to the emotion and attaching a story you can create that space and you can step out and look back in and observe it and see it Mm -hmm. differently yeah I really like that that's and I think I like it when you said that you know with your meditation sometimes you can use those tools Um, but I like the place so I like um, that you said that you know you, you can bring something into your mind to rest on I like that because that's I think that's where I used to struggle when I did try it when I was actually in Sydney um, my friends that I had met there were very into it and I, I did give it a try, but I just, my mind, I couldn't, it just was like, I'd close my eyes and it would be like a black hole and just lots of hundreds and thousands of words just in all different highlighted colors. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I don't know how to do this, <laughs> but I like that. Um, I like that thought of having something to rest on. Cause I think you can, I think that is a very powerful tool. 
in situations as well, just to really come back to to the present moment and to you and to, you know, even if that helps you to focus on your breathing, just picturing whether it's something, like you said, to rest on, that's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that. Yeah, and, like, if you're using your breath or that rotation through body parts, like feeling your body, a particular chakra, maybe your heart or, like, these are things that you feel, right? You don't, you're not just thinking about it, right? It's, and I think that's one of the big keys is, like, you're not thinking about the meditation, like you're feeling it and, it, and it's the feeling that takes us out of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then, then we get the quiet. Um, and, I mean, that's there is a simplicity in meditation and that or mindfulness um, is that you, your mind wanders, you bring it back to that, that anchor or that thing to rest on. And then the mind wanders and it brings bring it back and that's Mm. that's the strengthening of of the mind Mm -hmm. muscle Um, or like using your senses as well like being mindful in mindfully eating Mm -hmm. eating meals like how much thoughts are running through your mind when you're eating instead of just enjoying the smell Mm -hmm. like the taste engaging your senses into the moment Mm -hmm. these are the things that take you out of thinking and and into into the moment, and I'll I'll put a challenge out there for for anyone, mm. especially if you haven't tried any mindfulness before. Even if you have, when you're eating, I challenge you to get through one mouthful, just completely present with, for the moment you put it into your mouth, chewing, tasting, being present, to the moment you swallow it, without a thought. Like, can you be present for which one mouthful? It's not as easy as, as you might think. And if you can do one, let's see if you can do it again. Yeah, I'm writing this down. I'm going to do this tonight. I'm definitely not mindful when I eat. I mean, I, I love food. I'm a big foodie and I love the smells, but my mind is not present on the food. It's like this is delicious and I you know try to make up the whole multitasking thing. That's not a real thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it doesn't help for this. <laughs> and, and this, I mean, these are the things that happen and sometimes we go out and we eat and it's, it might be a social thing. So you're going to be chatting and stuff. So exactly. I mean, yes. It's, we shouldn't beat ourselves up too much about, about these things, but I think it is important to understand what's going on. Like to understand that when you're eating something mindfully versus when you're eating it mindlessly, mm. there's a difference in the impact on you. Mm. And when we're aware of this and we've, we know this in ourself, then we have a choice. We can't plead ignorant. Yeah. Like, there's always an opportunity to be quiet and calm. University that that proved this and only what you know ancient wisdom has been saying for years is that that a wandering mind is an is an unhappy mind. Hmm. And they showed that people who were more present to what they were doing in the moment were happier than those who were thinking about something else it regardless of what they were thinking about so that just means that if you're say eating but you're thinking about something else even if that something else is like your next holiday or something pleasant you're less happy than if you're just eating that meal and being fully present and enjoying it hmm. that's that so goes true. for any activity anything you're doing 
Yeah. And I mean, again, they studies go out there and they prove this, but it just takes you a few minutes to prove it for yourself. Exactly. You can you can eat that meal, eat the meal, like do something else while you're eating, watch a, a movie while you're eating, and just pay and then pay attention to how you feel, and then you know take a few mouthfuls, block out everything else, and just be mindful and see how that changes you. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a real thing. Your mind is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just proves too, like once you understand that you can control your mind, your mind doesn't control you, but there's all these other little things as well that um, can give you so much more space and so much more life instead of being stuck in inside your mind and letting that space control you because it's true you know when people say I don't have time to meditate I don't have time it's like well no you it's it's a choice you're in choice we have a choice whether we want to get up and exercise and we want to move our body and get our heart rate up or if we want to spend 10 minutes a day and and practice the importance of stillness that's a choice um and I think you know what you've confirmed I also really love that um you said that like stillness is a superpower and I really love that because it is, it is a superpower, but not just to like, not just to stay still. I used to get too, too into the detail of it. It's not, you know, I didn't see the big picture. It's not just sitting still. It's all of the benefits that and the love and the healing and the space that you're giving yourself, whether it is just for 10 minutes or whether it is coming to see you or whether it is, um, you know, like you said, 10 minutes a day in your, in your living room. It's really, it is really important. And you're right, Ben, it is a real thing. And I'm so glad that Gaia, um, you know, brought you up to me and, and, and said, Ben, you have to, you have to chat to Ben and you have to, you know, try some of his meditation practices that he has, you know, on his website. And I think I wanted to speak to you first because I know, what what my habits are (laughs) and I knew that I wasn't just going to click on and and meditate because I need the tools first from you which is also great because I'm happy to know that that's something you offer as well um Ben what do you one last question I want to ask you before we um before we wrap this up what do you what do you think is the biggest thing that meditation can give to someone just for our listeners to really understand the benefits that meditation has for I think every everyone would you agree Mm -hmm. so so you know that feeling of you've been away from home for a long time Mm -hmm. and you come home and you walk in the door it's like it feels good right maybe you've been away for years mm-hmm. yeah and you've forgotten what home kind of feels like you know it's it's back there mm-hmm. and even if you've had a great time you've been traveling and everything you go home you walk in the door it's like oh i'm home mm-hmm. like there's a sense of home is this place where we feel safe we feel warm mm-hmm. and Love. it's a place we can always come back to mm-hmm. so for me meditation is like this it's like this returning home, like through the heart, into mm-hmm. stillness. And 
there's often this sense of, um, like for people when they get into meditation, this sense of relief when it starts, I mean, when it starts working, this relief from the burden of their thoughts. And for me, when I'm going into meditation, there's always this sense of letting go of this place where I've been caught in thoughts and returning home, but to a home that's like, that's always been there. And it's, it's only when we start to become quiet to a certain degree that like we have this sense that we're going towards something with meditation, but it's more like we're returning. And then it's a certain point when it feels like a returning. Yeah. And there's just no, like meditation is, is a returning home, like to our heart, to stillness, the place we came from. And, and it's the part where we feel each other, that sense of connection between us and the rest of humanity. Mm. It's really this sense of coming home. Yeah. And you know, when you're there, like things are clear, the sense of your connection. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like everything just opens up. Like it's just like mm. if you're carrying a big backpack and you take it off, it's like every, it's just that feeling of release and like relief. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, I like that. Yeah, it is. I I can, I can imagine that because I know that feeling when you when you haven't been home for a long time and you walk through the door, it's almost like ah, oh, everything's gonna be okay now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever you're holding on to, everything's okay the minute you walk through the door at at, at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for being um being on the Bold and Brave podcast. I really I really admire your work and everything that you're doing and. I'm sorry I didn't get to spend more time with you when I was at the spa, but um, hopefully I can, uh, you know, connect with you on a different level now through uh, the Peacekeeper Project because I love what you're doing yeah. and um, I think you're you're a wonderful human being and um, thank you for thank you for offering this and your services to us and and helping us to connect and on a more conscious level and and helping us heal ourselves. It's uh, you have a gift and thank you for sharing it with us and helping us. Uh, you're welcome, and thank you, Hope, for uh, having me on, and thank you, Gaia, for recommending me to be on here. And um, I appreciate the uh, you having me on here so I can share these things because oh yeah, the world needs this. It's like the world needs people to be able to live from their heart, but it's going to really come down to you know quieting our mind, getting that out of the way, so that we can actually listen to the wisdom of our heart. So thank you for. Mm-hmm providing the space for that. Oh, anytime, Ben. Anytime.